Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome to Understanding the Human Condition with your host, Dr. James Flowers. Hey, Robin. Hey, Dr. Flowers. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I am. Can, I, can you tell I'm just beaming with <laughs> like pride and joy today pride because today we have my family mm -hmm. on the show today my two nieces courtney chap courtney chapman thomas right that's right and we have maggie chapman and courtney is here with us from the university of alabama in tuscaloosa and she's not representing the university today she's representing really social workers and just kind of herself and maggie is out at chemo palms recovery our treatment center here in Houston. So welcome, Maggie. Welcome, Courtney. Welcome. Thank and you. we have Lori Reed. Yep. Hello. Hey, Lori. Hello. <laughs> I wanted to read a quick bio on all three of our guests yep. on our Perfect. panel here. Lori Reed is an LMFT and an MCAP. She is also a consultant for the J. Flowers Health Institute on quality risk management processes and joint commission standards compliance. She's a Navy veteran. Desert Storm Shield, mm -hmm. disabled, yes. and her tour was in nineties, um, early nineties, when uh, uh, Bill Clinton was president during that period of time. Wow. Wow. Don't ask, wow. don't tell. That's, That's awesome. right, exactly. Yeah. Then we have Courtney Thomas. She's an MSW and the Director of Service and Leadership at the University of Alabama, and adjunct faculty in the School of Social Work. And then Maggie Chapman is an MSW and the Chronic Pain Clinician at Chemo Palms Recover Recovery. And Courtney is also, I want to mention, uh, Courtney Chapman is on the board of advocates member for the Garland School of Social Work at Baylor University. Ah. Two brilliant young minds mm -hmm. with us today and a third brilliant young mind. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. Flowers. This podcast, we um, just came up with the idea yesterday for this podcast. It has a sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, we wanted to get it out there as soon as possible. So here we are today. And thank you, everyone, for get gathering for this and speaking your minds. But Dr. Flowers, can you explain why this is, why we're you having bet. this I'm special gonna, podcast? I'm just going to read a little bit here. It's, you know, it's personal uh, to me. Mm -hmm. uh, it's personal to Michael Beard. It's personal to Maggie. It's personal to Courtney. I think it's also personal mm -hmm. to you as well, Absolutely. Lori. But, you know, we're family. Mm -hmm. We love each other. But we're also mental health providers mm -hmm. and mental health advocates. And this is such an important issue right now. So here's some background issue, uh, background on the premise of this podcast. On October 12th, 2020, the Texas Board of Social Work Examiners and the Behavioral Health Executive Council voted unanimously to change a section of the code of conduct that establishes when a social worker may refuse service to someone. The code no longer prohibits social workers from turning away clients based on the basis of sexual orientation, gender identity, or disability. 
Governor Greg Abbott's office proposed this change at the last minute on Friday, October the 9th, just three days before the board's mo uh, Monday vote and on the eve of an important election. A state law did pass last year giving the governor's office more control over rules governing state licensed professions. And I am just appalled that this rule passed. I can't believe it. Uh, we'd love to hear from each of you on this thoughts about uh, ruling. I think what we'll do is start with uh, my good friend, Lori Reed. Well, I think um, it's shocking for me to see, even though I'm not a social worker, my concerns are how other states and other professions may follow suit because social work has been a longstanding profession. A lot of the other LPCs, uh, LMFTs, um, addiction counselors, all their code of ethics have really come from mm -hmm. a lot of the social worker background. Uh, and to see this, and this isn't just clinical work that we're talking about, this is uh, the bachelor's level social workers that are out there um, doing the grunt work with the CPS, the Child Protective Services, to those that are um, at the lobbyist mm -hmm. and those that are trying to go through legislation. And then also those that are clinical. And I think that the biggest impact on this is how this, from an organizational perspective, a macro, micro level, how this is going to have ripple effects in our industry alone. Mm -hmm. And that's the sad reality of this is the climate of where we're at of that our voices have been taken away our votes to find out if that is right for our profession and to have a discussion around that has been just kind of overtaken mm -hmm. and that is something that i see that it's slowly moving towards that and i my fear uh, personally and professionally is how this is going to impact the clients that we serve yeah mm -hmm. yeah what do you see some potential impacts being in so, adoption, for example. Adoption. Um, we were kind of talking about that today, about if an individual who, if there is a social worker that is afraid to allow someone to adopt because of their orientation or gender identification, and or what about the client or the child that's being mm -hmm. served? Are they going to get the resources that, that are necessary? I think the intent of this was to basically say, if it's outside your scope of practice mm -hmm. to refer it out, and we are all trained in that, mm -hmm. that if it's outside our scope, we need to refer them, we need to get um, additional support, or we need to get additional supervision or training in that area. Uh, but to really narrow down on the disability and gender identification mm -hmm. as someone who's a, a veteran and also disabled, um, what does that look like when I go to for medical care mm -hmm. and the social worker for discharge planning to really giving me the resources that are necessary? Could they mm -hmm. say, nope, sorry, I'm not going to serve you because you're a veteran and you're disabled? I mean, we may say that sounds funny or that's ironic, mm -hmm. but in reality, it gives an open-ended mm -hmm. ability for someone to say, I'm not going to serve you based on my personal values mm -hmm. based on versus mm -hmm. my personal practice of code of ethics. Right. Absolutely. You know, uh, Courtney, you graduated from Baylor University in Waco, Garland School of Social Work. Tell us your thoughts on uh, this new uh, bit of news that just came out. Absolutely. Well, it's abhorrent. It's absolutely against everything that the social work creed is all about. As you said, you know, we're the longest standing code of ethics. 1960 was when our NASW drafted our code of ethics. And not only does it go against the practice, it goes against the value of dignity and worth 
inherent of a human being. Mm. And therefore, for anybody to legalize or legislate that people are inherently less dignity and worth is just the completely laugh in the face of the values of social work. You know, I've been really proud of Dr. Uh, John Singletary because instantly he sent a message to students saying, we affirm you, we love you, we validate you. Our practice doesn't change. And that's the biggest thing I've heard from social workers is our practice does not change because somebody said that you can't do this. Our ethics are above all walls. Mm -hmm. And we appeal to our athletic, our, our ethics. Mm -hmm. And we appeal to our ethics more than any law. I mean, Martin Luther King wrote from a letter from a Birmingham jail, one ha not only has a legal and moral responsibility to obey just laws, conversely, you have a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. And I think this is really a time for social workers to come out and say, this is not who we will be, and to use their voice and be the advocates on a much greater level. Because as you talked about, this affects everything. It can become such a slippery slope mm -hmm. of our code of ethics and the way we practice is get more education, get mm -hmm. more supervision, mm -hmm. figure out how to best serve this. Well, putting this language just says someone can walk around and say, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And there are no consequences for them not treating someone with the dignity and worth. Right. The beautiful thing about the code was it provided us some practice of policy and protection for people that if you broke it, then there were consequences as a social worker. A social worker does not get to deem value mm -hmm. uh -huh. in people's work. And so treating them and the whole person has been a huge part of our identity. And I've been really proud about the Garland School of Social Work. Uh, Dr. Helen Harris has stepped up and got petitions going. They're affirming their students. They're affirming their clients. They're saying, our practice will not change. We will stand behind our code of ethics. And they're really calling social workers who have been advocates for other people for a long time to advocate for themselves and say, absolutely not. We will not be silent. Absolutely. We have to make this change. That's amazing. Thank you, Thank you Courtney. Mm -hmm. Maggie, I'd love to hear from you and your thoughts clinically on how this impacts uh, really society and uh, clients that, that we see every day. Right, and so um, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I am not too long out of graduate school, so I'm still on fire about the profession, the profession and I'm still really excited and proud to be a social worker. But the 12th was a dark day. Mm -hmm. It was, I saw it on Facebook from a friend that shared that was in my cohort and uh, I was honestly lost for words because I had found the profession of social work who fought for those that I had seen continually marginalized and oppressed. And to see a community and a board that's supposed to protect our ethics and our values give way, um, I was at a loss for words. And so I am clinical minded and I love that Courtney is macro minded and, and thinks about the implications and advocacy and getting together and protesting. But I think about my clients that I see every day. I have clients with different gender expression. I have clients in the LGBTQIA community. I have clients who have different abilities. And I think about them going back into their community because I'm empowering them to say, use your voice in treatment now. Tell me what you need. Let's follow your treatment. It's directed by you. 
and to encourage them and give them that voice and think that maybe when they go home to their community, they're going to be met with someone that won't accept them or give them treatment and makes me fearful for my clients. Mm -hmm. I, you know, a lot of people I've heard talk about, oh, well, these big metropolitan areas, there's tons of social workers. Well, that's fair. In Houston and Austin, there's a dime a dozen for a social worker, but I'm thinking about the rural Texas communities right. where we know that these marginalized communities oftentimes overlap and there's a lack of social workers in these communities. What does it say to these people that have continually been told that they're less than and they don't deserve these services? So even if these social workers are acting in this way, us passing something that allows it tells these communities say, you're not going to get the services, so don't even try. So continue in your suffering, accept it, and roll over because nothing's going to change. We're falling back in a profession when we're supposed to be the voices of progression and advocacy. Um, and I think Will Francis, the director of the Texas um, NASW branch, said it best in that the board who's supposed to represent the social workers who are licensed in this state went from Friday of an email to Monday with no representation from those that they represent mm -hmm. and made a decision unanimously. And I went back and I watched the meeting because I said, no, it can't be that there were social workers in that room that didn't say, what are we doing? And it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And they all agreed and I was blown away. Um, and so I'm angry yeah. and I'm fearful for my clients. And I think the best case is action and I'm gonna do what I can. Absolutely. And that was going to be my next question, actually, for all three of you, because you all come from different perspectives here. Uh, Maggie, I'll start with you. But what would you recommend? And by the way, Maggie just graduated this year from the University of Texas uh, School of Social Work. Correct, Maggie? And yes. UT Austin. Congratulations. Huge. And uh, and she has started off her career in an amazing way, kind of following her uncle's footsteps and working with chronic right. pain patients. And I'm so I'm so excited about that. But Maggie, what do you suggest to social workers? What do you suggest to the community, people who aren't social workers? And what do you, in your mind, what do you think people should do to advocate uh, to have this overturned? If you I do. Calling your local, yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that you can do that. Um, calling your local representatives and telling them that they need to stand up and they need to fight this. Um, the Houston Behavioral Executive Community is having a meeting, a public meeting on the 27th um you can go online you can find the website anyone and everyone that wants to testify can all they have to do is provide their name and their email use your voice wow. this is the time that your voice matters most and you can be angry and you can be out loud and you got to tell the state that we will not accept this i don't care who the attorney general is i don't care who the governor is they don't have a say they're not social workers so honestly i don't care what their opinion is they have no place in the field of social work and that's what they need to be told that's my niece. And so that's the first thing that comes to my mind. A little spitfire. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a little passionate little, little as coming yeah. out of grad school. Yeah. But also on the individual side of things, telling my clients that they have inherent dignity and worth. And I don't care what anyone says out of this building, you are loved and you are cared for and you have a place at Kima Palms. Mm -hmm. And that's my recommendation to any treatment center, any community service mm -hmm. center. Affirm your clients where they're at and let them know that they can come to you and you can find services where they will be heard. Um, because I think they're gonna be met with a lot of, of being scared and not being, feeling they can find their place. And so 
we're case managers at our core. And so I need to call every community center in your hometown until I find a social worker that's gonna work with you, that's what I'm gonna do. Mm -hmm. And so encouraging them before they leave your treatment, that they feel like they have that voice. Um, and treatment centers speak out about it. Say that this is something that you don't that you don't agree and that you're not upholding and that you know we hold ourselves to higher standards and we're gonna continue to fight that whatever way that we can. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Lori, what are your thoughts on, on this? Well, I think that from my profession, um, not a social worker, but we work closely all together, especially in the field that um, of helping others, um, is to have the conversations, the hard conversations with your colleagues mm -hmm. um, and those that are in the treatment or private practice or, or any type of health services, is that you're asking your staff members also, what is, how is this might impact you? Mm -hmm. And I think lastly for an administrator is to really d look at your policies when it comes to professional code of ethics for your staff, yeah. because that is what supersedes and mm -hmm. creating that safe space for mm -hmm your staff members to have that conversation. So you know, from racism to this specifically to how this impacts your clients and seeing how that is really necessary to say, we're not gonna stand for that, um, but our organization stands for this. Sure. And Absolutely. I think that's the pivotal point of that and being able, because sometimes we could get really fired up about that, mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that we continue that momentum and we stay in that action phase. But we also want to make sure that we're tailoring it with, okay, the policies, the procedures, the mm -hmm. trainings, the ongoing conversations. So we're, it's not just a one dialogue, one little training of cultural diversity here. We're talking about we okay. really need to do it into a multi-level mm -hmm. from administrative policy procedures all the way down to the individuals that work here in the organization and where they may be coming from and do they feel afraid to even express who they are within the organization right so Absolutely. definitely from that point thank you mm -hmm. courtney any thoughts on that yeah i think abram zindi says you know it's not enough to just not be racist anymore you've mm -hmm. got to be anti-racist and i think that transcends to all of the social injustice it's not enough to just say oh we don't agree with that anymore You've got to put meat and feet and hands behind that. And you have to do the work. And like you said, we have to have hard conversations of where this is going. We do have to prepare our staffs mm -hmm. and we have to let them know that where we stand as administrators. As an administrator, I'm not going to stand for that happening in my staff. Yeah. And so um, how do I make sure they know that? And we put it out there and we talk about where's the best place for them to serve if that's something that they feel as well. We also have to honestly talk about the legality of part of this. Right. I mean, disabled individuals and people with different abilities, like that's a federally protected class. Yeah. So I'm Absolutely. Not sure where the <laughs> yeah. governor thinks uh, he is, but that's also why you have to get in front of the governor. Yeah. The governor needs to hear the phone calls. The governor needs to get as many emails as possible. The governor needs people to start showing up safely masked and six feet apart mm -hmm. at locations he is mm -hmm. to hear that this is not okay. I think so many times things like this slip by because good people are going to keep doing good work, mm -hmm. but that's not good enough anymore. That's right. We Absolutely. Put the structures and policies in place. And when bad happens, 
it has to know. And so getting in front of the governor, emailing your representatives and senators and telling them about it being the longest standing code in the nation and what other states look at and how many times the state of Texas has reaffirmed it in 2010, 2012, 2016 mm -hmm. with the buy-in of social workers with public comment from social work, the people they represent. And I think when Congress people hear that, the people that they represent are saying, we weren't represented in a decision. Mm -hmm. I think there's power. I think a lot of times we talk about using advocacy, but we forget to talk about using power. Mm -hmm. And using power comes in that absolutely, everybody needs to be in that October 27th Behavioral Health Executive Council. That's right. They need to have to sit there for 15 hours yes. listening yeah. to social workers and administrators and tr public treatment facilities and local nonprofits saying how wrong this is. They need, they need to hear those things and they need to really do. And personally, people need to put some pressure. We've seen social media mm -hmm. be used for good. Obviously it has lots of downfall, but the hashtag stand with Texas social workers needs to be everywhere. It needs mm -hmm. to be facilities. It needs to be nonprofits. It needs to be the individual social workers. It needs to be me talking to my students. This morning I talked to my 10 MSW students in supervision at the University of Alabama mm -hmm. about what it could mean mm -hmm. for their practice. These conversations right. can't just be in Texas. That's mm -hmm. right. You, right. It's quick. Yep. It's yeah. quick to spread. It's amazing how easy it is to spread bad policy versus mm -hmm. spreading good policy. Absolutely. So these conversations have to be had and we need to use that leverage of social media. We need to empower Gen Z social workers mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they know how to leverage power mm -hmm. yeah. in public places on social media for change. Mm -hmm. And so That's right. really looking to embrace those. And then the most powerful thing we can do, the most sacred, nonviolent action we can take is voting. Yes. That's right. Mm -hmm. So everybody has to vote from your local official to your board of representative that represents your profession. Yeah. You mm -hmm. have to vote in everyone. Mm -hmm. I think about how many times I get an email about voting for a new trustee member or voting for a new licensing commission member. And I'm like, oh, well, someone else will vote mm -hmm. for that. Yet I've never missed a city or county or national yeah. election. And yet those things can now are actually Perfect. more powerful mm -hmm. a lot of times than that. So really just leveraging that vote and not forgetting that John Lewis said, it is the most powerful mm -hmm. tool we have and yes. truly using that. Absolutely. And I know that you Perfect. knew uh, John Lewis, mm -hmm. got to meet him and be friends with him really. And and, That's right. and he's my ultimate hero. That's why I believe getting in good trouble, necessary trouble is a must. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, I want to ask Maggie and, and Courtney a personal question here. And I wish they were sitting next to each other where I could see both of them at the same time. But uh, so Maggie and Courtney have not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but they have six gay uncles. <laughs> Six gay uncles. Mm. So wow. I want to ask you, the, the, the title of this podcast is really Understanding the Human Condition, right? Yeah. And you have six gay uncles, and this is not a social work thing. This is a, a, a really kind of a personal thought here is how does this affect you guys, the two of you as women and nieces to six gay uncles that uh, the Board of Social Work in Texas has done this and the governor? I mean, it makes my heart is beating out of my chest as you even ask that question, because it makes me irate on the deepest level of my personhood. 
a huge part of my identity is because of my gunkles, mm-hmm. as we all call them, <laughs> because I've never not known unconditional love, dignity and worth, fully support. Man, I flipping thought I was Mary Poppins the majority of my life. <laughs> my parents Aww. did a good job at that, but the gunkles really made me believe it. Exactly, yeah. And they supported it and came to it, and we rolled 50 people deep at anything mm-hmm. important in my life. And so to have someone that represents me tell me that they don't see value and dignity in people that I love dearly. I just, I can't live with that. Like I cannot be silent and not that it should be the only reason I'm active is because Mm -hmm. I know that, but this is not an issue of people with different sexual orientation. This is my uncle James and my Mm -hmm. uncle Michael. These are real people. Uncle Fenton and uncle John and uncle Eric. Gotta make them all. That's That's right. right. The men that have loved me and pushed me and love the world and have taken care of people, even people who haven't given them the dignity and worth, they have Mm -hmm. loved them and taken care of them throughout our life. Mm -hmm. And so to see a governing body take away their dignity and worth, it's it's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. As their niece who wants to metaphorically burn it down Mm -hmm. uh, until someone can back up. And I really struggle with it as a mama. Uh, too, of thinking that somebody could potentially telling my children that their identity is not valid. Mm -hmm. And yet I've done nothing but create a home where they feel just as valid as I've ever felt from my uncles and my mama and my daddy. But them to be like, so mom, you were part of an organization Mm. that said these people weren't valid. And what if those people are me? Mm -hmm. They're foreign too. So we Mm -hmm. don't know at this point, but and it just, there's no way to be silent in mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And it, this is it a historical monument. Deepest, I want to love yeah. my people. I have Facebook mm-hmm. fault more than I ever <laughs> have. Uh, <laughs> not saying that that's the most, best way to help the human condition. That's right. Uh, but, you know, I really think, I think the problem is, is that we let it be so label driven right now in our country, in our world mm. of otherness. Mm. And so we forget that those are real people and real humans and most everybody, and I can guarantee you everybody on that board has somebody in their life that mm-hmm. that just invalidates. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's just beyond. So why you. don't we look mm-hmm. at that as, oh my gosh, that's my friend down the street, mm-hmm. Courtney. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's my niece, Maggie. Like yeah. whoever it is, how can we, how have we gotten to society that has taken these labels and detached them from human mm-hmm. relationships and the human condition. And I think that's honestly the fall of our entire nation right mm-hmm. now is that we have regressed so much to categorizing people that we have forgotten about people and mm-hmm. that we're talking about people, yeah. other yeah. human beings. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but we talk about them and from the top leadership, it's mm-hmm. been told it's okay and permissible to talk. Yeah. Right about, yeah, your friend, your neighbor, your other. coworker, mm-hmm. your business mm-hmm. partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, but you know, it's not about Courtney. It's yeah. not mm-hmm. about Matt. It's about them, it's right? Not, yeah. not those other people, right? Right. I think, I think until we can have a big reckoning in our world to talk about humanity again, mm-hmm. we're going to struggle with more and more of these type of cases and yeah. situations, and it'll be more and more unfortunate if people are silent and policy begins to validate them. Yeah. Thank you, Courtney, so much. Maggie, any thoughts? Yeah, well, I'm glad Courtney went first because I couldn't talk. (laughs) Courtney Courtney and I are sisters, but Courtney's 
quick to anger. I'm quick to like, um, tears. not tears. <laughs> so I, I had to take a moment to process because that's the first thing I thought of because I have never known a world where I didn't have six uncles that loved me unconditionally and accepted me for all of my flaws and faults. And Ooh, makes me emotional. I just can't imagine a world where they're not validated and they fought so hard and the community that they came out of and got acceptance from and the family that they've worked so hard to communicate and, and, and be scared of in the beginning mm -hmm. if they're going to be validated and then be validated by them to feel like we've gone so far and be pushed back down by the profession I fell in love with and I fell my community and my people, it feels like they're attacking my family, mm -hmm. social workers and my uncles. It's yeah. like, you don't know who we are if this board says that this is acceptable. You clearly have never been a social worker a day in your life if you agree to this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I will stand firm in that. We are about unconditional love and value. And that's what I see in my uncles. That's the fundamental thing I've been taught is that every person is lovable. You've just got to meet them and speak with them. And that's at the heart of social work. And I'm just, it's the first thing I thought of. It's every time I come back to this conversation, I can't think of it not and not take it personal mm -hmm. because outside of my uncles, I have other friends and people that I love and would go down for, and I can't separate it. And I think that's what makes a social worker great. And that's what inspires social workers to come to this field. There's just a huge disconnect. And we've really got to look at this board and say, do they really represent our values, our needs, and our mission of the social work field? Because right now I don't, and I don't feel like they understand what it means to even be a social worker. Hmm. Absolutely. Good point. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, we, I came to this field because I felt the validation of all people and I wanted to fight for justice and equity. And I wanted to be with like-minded people that didn't mm -hmm. disinherently devalue another human being. And mm -hmm. so as the entire field of why I came there, if this is what it's going to be, will be the exact reason I leave. Yeah. And I'll leave publicly because that is not something that I, you know, we have an obligation to be on the right side of history. Mm -hmm. And this is the moment for social workers I will agree. truly have to decide because it is part of my identity. When I teach multiculturalism and labeling yourself and who your identity is, social worker is like the first word I put out there. It's a part of my essence. Mm -hmm. It's why I do everything I do. But if social work is going to be hijacked this way for someone's agenda, then it's also going to be a field I think you're going to lose a lot of incredible people from. Yes, yeah. that's sad. Because they are not, we're not the people that were trained to be silent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, if they lose you, you need to run for office. Uh, mm -hmm. I think she's going to run for office. <laughs> she needs to be president. I think mm -hmm. both of them. I don't know. I'd vote for her, whatever. I, I me too. Yes. I, I, I'm yes. so proud. I'm just sitting here. I, also, I'm so I can proud. see that. I, I, have one, I have one final question. Courtney uh, went to uh, Auburn University. Then she went to Baylor. Uh -huh. And now she's at the University of Alabama. Maggie went to University of Texas. How do you two work out the with your entire family, the UT Alabama issue because <laughs> I'm right there in the middle of it. Uh -huh. Yeah, so I, I roll, tide, roll with that's best. right. Uh. There you go. That's right. Awesome. Hook 'em horns, Maggie. <laughs> well, thank I you, am everyone. so proud of y'all. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Robin, for being here with us thank today. Thank you for having me here. And also, just to let you know, we're going to button this up and um, 
Adam's going to button this up quickly for us so that we can get this out to all of you mm -hmm. so that you can forward this link to everyone. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Can we... Uh, can we link the page on the Texas NSS NASW because it has like mock letters you can send yes. Congress mock letter. Okay, it also has the huge social media campaign. So if we can use that hashtag when we share this too, it'll get absolutely. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Maggie, uh, I mean uh, Robin and Ken will be in touch with both of you. I love both of you so much. Thank you Thank for doing you with us today. Bye, ladies. Yeah. Bye, ladies. Hopefully that was some good stuff, and I didn't even talk ugly. <laughs> I know it was great. It's just so sweet. <laughs> See y'all later. Bye. 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 Thank Bye. you, Lori. Thank you.